Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to uh, our Wednesday night service, and this is our Jubilee service. Now, you grinned at me earlier, but we are literally having all three nights of Jubilee in one, and that's our surprise to you this evening. Tonight was supposed to be the third night of Jubilee, our annual spring Jubilee, but of course, with the current conditions and situations going on, we've adjusted that schedule. But we had uh, the Rochesters on Sunday. They were scheduled to come in and do Easter Sunday service for us. And Brother Scott Matthews preached, and we appreciate them still coming up and recording that service. And then they were going to stay through uh, Monday and Tuesday night, but uh, we didn't do that. But we had uh, Brother Dr. Gary Blaylock, the pastor over at Shining Light Baptist Church, and uh, his daughters, they were going to come. They were going to sing. The family's going to sing tonight. And they were kind enough to come on back and do that this evening. So we're recording the Wednesday night service. So this is our Jubilee, one shot, one kill, all right, <laughs> well, of Jubilee night. And church, we're so, so glad that you're tuned in this evening. Hey, it's Jubilee. I want to just say this before I pray, that Jubilee is a very special time in the Bible. It was a special time for the nation of Israel, and uh, it was a holy festival for the people of God. Now, they only did it once every 50 years. And you know, at the rate we're going, we may only get it once every 50 years, but hopefully it won't be quite that bad. But I will say that it was a time, what was interesting about Jubilee, it was a time of readjustment. It was a time for religious or spiritual and social readjustment. And we are certainly in a time of readjustment right now. So I believe that what God can give us tonight may help us with that. But I just want to remind you in the way of getting things started that the meaning of Jubilee, what it stood for, what it meant was Atonement Day. That's what was celebrated at the Jubilee every year, the day the high priest would enter into the holiest of the holies and he would offer the blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 7, uh, that but unto the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. But here's the interesting thing. That high priest had to go back every year and offer that blood one more time. And you know what? As I studied that even further, he didn't have to go back just every year, but he had to go in and out of that thing multiple times on the Day of Atonement. He had to go in to do this and bring some stuff out. Then he had to carry more stuff in. It was back and forth, back and forth. But I'm glad Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 says, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And so what we celebrate at Jubilee is that Christ has paid it all, he's done it all, he's finished it all, and we can celebrate atonement each and every year. You know what kicked off um, the atonement day, the, the jubilation? And uh, you know what it was about? It was about rejoicing. It was a season of rejoicing. And church, what we wanted you to do tonight as you enjoy this service is just rejoice in the Lord and to do like that we would have done had we been here. They would blow a trumpet to start it off. That's how they kick off Jubilee. Well, you know what? We're waiting on a trumpet to sound, too. We got one more trumpet that's going to sound, and what a Jubilee morning that's going to be. But uh, it was not only a season for rejoicing, but it was a season of reflection. Every time Jubilee was celebrated, the people would look at their lives. They would look at their condition. They would look at how they were re relating to God and how they were relating to one another. And tonight, church, my prayer for you as we hear the songs, as we hear the preaching, is that you'll take some time and reflect. Reflect on where you're walking with God. And while we are socially distant and separated, we're going to come back to the house of God soon. 
How much are you going to love being back with the brothers and the sisters in the house of God? And you know, that's something to reflect on and give God glory for tonight. And uh, I, I'm excited that we can have Jubilee. God's been good to us. We have much to thank him for. I want to lead us in prayer. And then when I get done with the prayer time, we're going to ask the Blaylock family to come and they're going to sing. And right after the singing, Brother Gary Blaylock's going to come and bring the message for Jubilee tonight. So would you join me? Let's pray together this evening. Lord, it is a great honor to be here tonight. Lord, I am thankful that I can be in this place. And we miss seeing our church family here. But we're so thankful that they'll be watching and, and be joining us in this worship in our Wednesday night service of Jubilee 2020. Lord, we didn't get our normal Jubilee week, but I, I'm really believing that what you have for us tonight is going to do something special in our hearts. And I know I need it. And I'm praying and have been praying, God, that you would speak to me tonight. And I pray you'd do that for all of our church family. And I really just want to pray specifically, God, that you would rejoice the heart of your people tonight. Uh, all of our church family that are tuned in and listening, Lord, just rejoice their heart in what they hear tonight and what they experience tonight through your spirit. And I want to pray also, God, uh, that you would just lift the burdens right now. And I know we have a responsibility in that. Lord, we've got to bring those burdens. We've got to cast our care upon you. But Lord, where there are people that will be in the service tonight, listening and, and coming here to try to get something, I pray they will just cast their care upon you. And Lord, you'll lift those burdens tonight so that we can know the real rejoicing that you have made available to us. I praise you. I thank you, Lord. I'm glad you brought us up also out of that miry pit and set us upon a rock and established our going. Lord, we have a lot to be thankful for tonight. We thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Was I giving to dying or where I would go? I was looking and lying, so hard was I trying to gain all this world had to hold. No peace and no pleasure could I even measure with all that I had to gain. But I repented and prayed. God saved me that day Now I have got something to say I'm not going to hell I met the Savior What a story I'll tell I'm saved and forgiven Set free all is well I'm not going to hell No worth living since I've been forgiven Christ made a real change in me I'm no longer crying when I think of dying cause heaven is waiting for me now Satan's still lying and he's always trying to lead me down the wrong way but just call on Christ's name and he'll save you today. Then look back at Satan and say, I'm not going to hell. I met the Savior, what a story I'll tell. I'm 
saved and forgiven, set free, all is well. I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell. I'm saved by His power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete For I'm saved I'm not going to hell Amen Praise the Lord Thank God for that I'm glad I'm not going to hell tonight Good to be saved and on the way to heaven Amen Come see with Jesus The disciples were getting concerned The wind started violently blowing But he was asleep at the stern Does he not care that we perish? We're helpless and we're so afraid Jesus arose when they called him And he asked them, where is your faith? Because you prayed all night Because you held on with all of your mind Child, your cries have awoken the Master You're frightened with nowhere to run By now your vessel is filling And you're thinking that you'll surely drown You cried out for help from the Savior And you know you can't give up now Because you Worry that he's 
fast asleep. The winds are so deadly, the water's so deep. But try to be patient, soon he'll bring peace. Just one word from his voice, then all must cease. Because you prayed all Well, it is a joy to be at McLeansville Baptist Church. And uh, for those of you tonight, I just want to let you know, I've known about McLeansville Baptist Church. You don't know anything about me outside of the wonderful, kind things that uh, Pastor Barnett has said about me. Uh, uh, you don't really know me. Uh, but uh, you fix fixing to. Amen. McLeansville Baptist Church and, of course, the ministry of Dr. Lemons and and, and the, 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 the history and the legacy and the heritage uh, of this wonderful place uh, is, is such a blessing. And I thank God for it. I count it a high-privileged pastor that you would let us be here and be a part of this. Now, Jubilee, as, as pastors already said, is a wonderful time. I don't have to tell you that is a time that we, we really gear up for and, and uh, we promote it and, and we do things that uh, are maybe a little uncommon as we prepare for it, but it's an exciting time. It really, just like in the lives of the children of Israel, there's only uh, one, one time in 50 years. Well, it's just one time a year for us. And uh, But we really gear up for it. I know it's shining light. Your pastor's preached there in the past. He will again. And uh, uh, probably as soon as next year. Anyhow, we'll talk about that. And uh, But um, there's, just, there's just some excitement. There's something different uh, as you gear up for Jubilee and, and uh, these special services. I know that, that every year has a uniqueness about it. There's a singular... Uh, way and individual aspect of every single jubilee every single year. But uh, this one is very uncommon because as I stand before you tonight, I, I'm preaching to people by way of live stream and we, we try our best to uh, sort of make it seem as authentic and as far as on your side of things, it is authentic on my side by the grace of God. And uh, I've, I've really tried just to you know, be myself and just preach the Word of God and that's what I'm going to do tonight. And I want to be an encouragement to you because of the fact that this, this, this jubilee more than likely will be like no other jubilee that you ever experience in your lifetime. Now I say that, uh, you know, not knowing obviously what is going to happen next year this time. But uh, I would dare say for most of you that have been a part of the McLeansville Baptist Church, you've never seen it quite on this fashion before. But let's don't allow the fact that it's different 
rob us of the blessing of being able to get something from God. Now, I will go ahead and run a disclaimer tonight, Pastor. I don't have any deep, real deep thoughts. If you, my, my wife were here. She would stand and testify to that. The good thing is your pastor's known me a long time. He can testify to that. He reminds me of that, Brother Cantrell, very often. Uh, and um, But what I would like to do and what I, I would take this time this evening just to try and really be a blessing. We might laugh a little, we might cry a little, but more than anything, I want to give you some thoughts and some highlights from the Word of God that I hope will just, again, you know, right where you are as you listen to this on Wednesday evening, uh, that this will be a real blessing to you and be a help to you. I want you to take your Bible. We're going to look in two different places, 1 Kings chapter 19 and then Matthew chapter number 11. It won't take you long to figure out the sort of the theme of, uh, of the message. So I, again, I'm just going to, I'm going to give you some real simple thoughts. I'll leave the deep expository preaching to your pastor, and he'll dig some great, wonderful nuggets out for you later on. I want to give you some practical things tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 19. Now, you're already getting ahead of me, those of you that are Bible uh, readers and Bible scholars. You already know what that portion of Scripture has to deal with. In 1 Kings chapter number 19, you've got to understand, Elijah has just experienced probably, for you and I as we read across the highlights of people's lives, would probably be the highlight of his life. I mean, 1 Kings chapter number 18 and the experience there on top of the mountain as he, uh, what we commonly talk about, the fact that he battled against the prophets of Baal, if you will. It was really, it was really not him, it was God winning the battle, right? But this is a highlight in the life of this prophet's life. And um, I'm glad that I have had some moments, not exactly like that one, but I have had some moments, some highlights with God. I hope the best days are not behind me. I hope the best days are ahead uh, for me. But in 1 Kings chapter number 19, we come to, again, a different... Now, all of a sudden, the gears have shifted. He was in high speed. He was seeing God do all these miraculous things, things that we love to read about, we love to hear preaching on. I love to preach on it. But in 1 Kings chapter number 19, everything is almost like he hits granny gear, spiritually speaking. I mean, he's at the height of his ministry. God has done great things. I mean, he asked God, God does it, and that's a wonderful place to be in in the life of a Christian. When you feel like you can get into the Holy of Holies and you can call upon the Lord and you have such a closeness with Him that it really seems like God's ear is right there next to your mouth and He's just, but He's going to do, you just have so much confidence and faith that God's going to do. And we have those moments. But after all of that, there are some after effects. There's some, something beyond that. I, I, I've talked a little bit about that. Uh, on some, some moments that we've had lately, just thinking about what happened after the resurrection. The resurrection, you know, Jesus has done all these great things and, and uh, all these wonderful miracles, and now uh, the ministry is, 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 has headed and has been headed toward that time when he would go to Calvary and he would die. And all of those followers, all those people that loved him so much and, and he had done so much for now he's, he has been crucified, 
He, Joseph and, and Nicodemus have begged the body of, of the Lord and they've taken him and placed him in a, in a borrowed tomb, you know. And for three days, can you imagine the feelings that they were, things that were going through their heart? They really thought, I mean, if you study Luke 24 and read behind and listen to what those two disciples say on the road to, to Emmaus, they, they, boy, they're just, uh, man, they're telling, they're laying it out. Well, we thought this and we expected this and it didn't happen. And so what I'm talking about is that you and I, just like Elijah, just like John the Baptist in Matthew chapter number 11, let's read some verses, could we? Notice with me in 1 Kings 19, I, I get going, I, I'll, I'll never stop. Watch this now, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now turn over to the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 11, and I just want to read these verses. Really, this is a spring, springboard tonight, and, and I just want to deal with this. Notice in verse number 1 of chapter 11, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, He sent two of His disciples... And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, these are not necessarily parallel scriptures by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but they do have and carry parallel thoughts in the fact that these two men are dealing with, with, with a, a depressing, discouraged time in their ministry. They, they, again, you can imagine John has been baptized and John has, has been preaching and, and, and boy, he's the forerunner and that voice of one crying in the wilderness and God's hand mighty upon him and him doing the ministry and the work of God. Now he's in prison. Why is he in prison? He's in prison for preaching the truth. And we know the story, don't we? Not many days now before John the Baptist will have his head placed on a charger and taken in before Herod and on and on. The point is tonight that we are not unlike these men. And for us to imagine for one moment that we are would just be naive. The honest truth of the matter is, is that we all have and all deal with discouraging times. You might even call them overwhelming times. And if we're not careful... We'll do just that. We will be careful. We will be anxious. We will feel and deal with those times of anxiety in our hearts. And, and I'm, I'm being fair with you. I'm a pastor and, and uh, I know I'm supposed to be the example. And I, I know all these things. But I want to tell you something. I feel the same things you feel. The uncertainties. The, the, the unknowns of life. The corners of life. 
I'll be honest with you, there are times. Now, I'm glad that there's a cure for that. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I thought about this. I was reading an article some time ago, and the Lord just gave me some thoughts. And I, the, again, this is just a jumping off place to try to build the thought tonight. And I want to help you. I, I thought about this. I, I don't know. I want, to deal, I want to deal with this subject on how to deal with spiritual uh, imbalance. Spiritual imbalance. You see... Because of what we're facing, I think this just goes right perfect. Because of what we're facing, because of what we're dealing with, because of the trials and the, you might call them the hurdles and the obstructions, the hindrances, if you will, that we're having to deal with, Pastor, uh, are really, uh, again, they're uncharted, unprecedented, the things that we're having to deal with. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful... I will allow all these circumstances to get control over my life. You might say the devil would use these circumstances to hold me hostage with them. We rely, don't we? We rely on the activity of the church since I've been saved. Now I believe you would say the same thing. Since I've been saved, since I trusted Christ over 26 years ago, my life has all of a sudden began to revolve around this, this place. This place that really I had some understanding, but not really a good uh, intimacy or an acquaintance with. I knew about it, but, but as, when I got saved, there was a desire in my heart to get acquainted with this place and the things that went on in this place. The house of God, the people of God, the message of God, the man of God. All of these things that we talk about all the time. But you know as well as I do. And I'm not here to debate what you think about, you know, a a chemical imbalance and all of that. That's That's not what I'm here to try to straighten out. I'm not trying to straighten out anybody. I do know that when I was reading this article, there were some things that went off in my mind that I thought applied spiritually. Um, I started looking at these symptoms of this imbalance. And we all know that there have been times in our life when we are not balanced in our life. Uh, Dr. Scott Cottle said many times that the best ministry is a balanced ministry. And he was talking about how we balance family and we balance the church and the work of the church and on and on. I know that tonight, that in time, at times in my life, I have gotten out of balance. You, you ever seen, you, you ever seen a uh, tire? You ever heard a tire that gets out of balance? You'll hear it before you really see it. Uh, that you, you can, lives get that way too. <laughs> it's unusual, I didn't think about this. But you, a lot of times, even in the life of people, people around the house of God, a lot of times you'll hear it before you even see it. Anyhow, we won't deal with all of that tonight. But I thought about the symptoms of, of this imbalance. And this goes along. This, this is a spiritual uh, imbalance. A couple of the things were, and I'll just give them to you. Irritability, agitation, restlessness, low drive, inability to focus, insomnia, or excessive sleeping, Change in appetite. You eat too much. You eat too little. 
Some are dealing with chronic fatigue or lethargy, uh, changes in mood, unexplainable physical symptoms like headaches or body aches. Now, I could take time and I could preach on every single one of those symptoms and how that they sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they characterize what's going on in the pew. And not just the pew, sometimes even what's going on in the pulpit. Amen. I'll be the first to admit that I sometimes exhibit these same types of symptoms. I wonder tonight, as you're listening there in your home with your Bible on your lap, I wonder this evening, I hope you hadn't turned me off yet. I ain't even got into the good stuff. Amen. Yeah, there's some good stuff coming. Hang on. I wonder tonight, are you exhibiting some of these symptoms? I know there's a lot that ties into this. People right now, the unemployment rate is, is, I mean, it's out of sight. We got people sick. We got people afraid. I mean, you know, I'm talking about people with, uh, hey, listen, do what you got to do, wearing masks and gloves and hazmat suits and all of that stuff just to go out to the mailbox, amen? I mean, we are are in a strange time. I mean, it's like something off of a science fiction movie. I mean, honestly. I mean, really, you've heard that about about how that uh, uh, sometimes uh, that that, that uh, 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 happens in Hollywood. Well, now it's starting to really resemble what's going on in real life. We're dealing with some of these things. And in the pew tonight, and in your home tonight, and in your life tonight, there are some of you that you're exhibiting these very symptoms this evening. You are are tore out of the frame. You you really, you're having trouble focusing things. If you're like me, I've got a certain routine. It wouldn't be exactly like your pastors, and it wouldn't be exactly like your wife, sir, and and, and ma'am, it's not like your husband. But we all have sort of a routine, a way we like to do things. and, And when those routines... And those things in our lives get out of kilter, they get out of balance, and all of a sudden, it changes the way that we, it changes our perception. It changes how we operate. And I'm going to tell you something tonight, listen to me at home. You better be careful, and I mean in the right sense. You better be on alert. You better be aware. Don't you think for one moment that the devil wouldn't love to take what's going on around us and get you to focus on that instead of taking this time and to sort of get back into neutral and refocus where you're like, God has never made a mistake. Heaven was not tore up and out of the frame when the mandate came down from the governor's office in Raleigh. My friend, God knew exactly what was going to take place. And I say to you tonight, rather than looking at how bad everything is and looking how, how awful everything is and, and throwing our hands up and saying, Pastor, what are we going to do next? Instead of doing that, why don't we refocus our lives and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to take these moments, this time, with my family, with my friends, with those people, and try to Uh, to get myself where I need to be with the Lord. I believe that you and I can do that. We don't have to allow these times to completely rob us and drain us of our spirituality just because things are not like exactly how they have always been. So I wonder tonight, I just again, irritability, 
That sounds like the average Baptist, amen? Agitation, restlessness, inability to focus. You know, that, that, that sounds like, you know, some of the deacons of the churches that I've pastored, amen? Change in appetite, chronic fatigue, changes in mood. That's the uh, deacon's wife, the, the organ player and the piano, amen? And, and then the average person is struggling with chronic fatigue out in the pew, Right? Um, so, so tonight, what's the cure for that? How do we deal with it? Where do we go from here? Like Mary Magdalene. What about those two disciples? The Bible says that when they heard Jesus speak and He began to expound to them from Moses all the way up, that their hearts burned within them. They're dealing with a, a most discouraging time, but when Jesus finally begins to preach, hey, they're on fire for God before they ever realize exactly who He is. You know how they did it. They looked in the Word of God. They got back to the Scripture. Let me say to you tonight, there's going to be some things that I believe we can do, some practical things. I'm, I'm talking about in this article. Now, I read this. I wish I could come up with I can't come up. I read this. If you're exhibiting some of these symptoms now or in, if you're subject to, what are we supposed to do? Where do we turn? What's the antidote? What's the remedy? I want to give you these things. I'll just hit them and, and we'll go. We'll be done. Number one, I want to say the first thing. First things first. You've got to get to the right doctor. I mean, if these people, if you're dealing with some kind of an imbalance, chemical, whatever, the first thing you need to do is you need to get to the right doctor. And I want to say to you tonight, it, it, it's absolutely vital this evening that you and I get to the right doctor. There is a doctor. Jeremiah chapter 8 lets us know there is a physician who knows exactly what needs. He always gets the diagnosis right. He always knows exactly what's going on. Hey, may I remind you this evening that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every fiber of your being. He knows you inside and out. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows you and I. He knows the things that trouble you. He knows the things that the devil loves to use against you, uh, try to beat you down, hold you hostage, uh, uh, listen, tie you up, weigh you down. He knows all of those things. Uh, but may I say to you, when you get to the right, I mean getting to the right doctor will be such a blessing to you when you can go in and he listens to you. How many times have I gone in uh, to the closet uh, uh, beat down? I remember one particular service or one particular time I was pastoring in the first place that I ever pastored in Walnut Cove. And I, I remember one Sunday afternoon, instead of going out to eat, and instead of going out, we were, I was going through a difficult time. I had some things that were going on in the church. I was a young pastor, and, and uh, you know, just, uh, uh, just as I had a lot of uh, uh, Peter in me, and still do, I guess, and, and uh, bad to stick my foot in my mouth and mess up. But one day I was dealing with some stuff, and, and I just hung around and, and got up on the platform that day right behind the pulpit. I didn't know what to do. And, 
And I got in that, uh, uh, that church, just me and God, nobody else around, and I started talking to Jesus. I started talking to the Lord, and, and I'm telling you, He diagnosed uh, uh, just exactly where I was and what was going on. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, there's something most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, uh, that if you go to the doctor, uh, many times you'll feel better when you come out. Now, I want to say with a physical doctor, that may not always be the case. Uh, but I want to say to you, every time I've spent some time and got in the closet and talked to the doctor, I'm talking about King Jesus, amen. I'm telling you, he helps me every single time. And you might be sitting there tonight, you might be dealing with a situation this evening that is absolutely overwhelming you and it's holding you down and it's beating you up. May I say, why don't you get into the doctor? I'm telling you, he'll wipe the slate clean. There's no appointment that's more important than you. I'm telling you, he will wipe his schedule clean just to spend some time with you and he knows what to do to help you. Amen. The first thing that we have to do is we got to get to the right doctor. You can't run down to just anybody. You can't trust just anybody. We're prone to lean on our own understanding, to lean on our own wisdom. But you know as well as I do, our wisdom will let us down. Our own ways will let us down. You've got to get to the right doctor. Number two, one of the things I learned about this, when you have a spiritual imbalance, the second thing you need to do is you need to become more active. That seems simple. But a lot of times when people are dealing with things that are discouraging them, what's the first thing they want to do when they get discouraged at church or you know, they get a little down or they get hurt or whatever? I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it many times. People that were singing in the choir, people that were teaching Sunday school. I don't know how many times I've had people come to me, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'm talking about five minutes before you get in the pulpit. Somebody comes and talks to you. You've seen it on their face. You've been watching them. You know it's coming. Five minutes before you get in the pulpit, somebody comes to you. I need to talk to you after the service. And the whole time you're preaching, you're thinking in the back of your mind, wonder what it is they're talking, want to talk about. And you see what happens, I'm stepping down from my class. I'm not going to sing in the choir anymore. They used to sit on the first you know, uh, quarter of the uh, pews in the church, then they moved to the middle, moved to the back and move out. I'm telling you, that really does happen. What are we going to do? How do, we, how do we guard against that? How do we deal with that? Instead of doing less, you ought to look for something else you can do for God. I really believe that. Become more active. You know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, that's still in the Bible. But I'm telling you, it goes against your natural feelings. It goes against your personal feelings about what's going on. Something doesn't go our way. Something happens in our lives. And the first thing we want to do is we want to shrug away. We want to sit down. We want to, we want to quit. We want to give up. That's not what we're supposed to do, church. Oh, my friend, to the contrary. When things aren't going your way, when things aren't exactly right, when, when it just seems like the pastor just, you know, it just seems uh, like he's distant from you, whatever the case may be, I want to say to you tonight, hey, listen, why don't you find somewhere else you can get in and do something for God and let God bless your heart. Your, your pastor can't do it. Uh, nobody else can do it for you, but Jesus can. When you get involved in the work of God, and get active, it always seems like in my life, God blesses my life and helps my life to get back in balance. 
Let me say to you tonight, not only do we get to the right doctor, become more active, but then you need to adjust your appetite. I read this. When you're exhibiting these characteristics, if you're falling into some of these categories, spiritually speaking, it might be that you need to adjust your appetite. I don't know any better way to say it, but to say it this way. What are you eating? What are you living on? You know, I love, and you know, I love a lot of things that probably aren't really good for me. I know you can't tell by looking at me. I, am a, I really am a, a, a real physical male specimen. I, many people have told me that. I really am. They didn't say what kind of specimen it, I was, but I, anyway. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff I love. Love to eat. I, I love, you know, I, I've, I love banana pudding. I, I enjoyed Easter uh, dinner with my family. And we had ham. And we had, you know, we had everything you can imagine, potato salad. And we had cream corn, and you can tell I'm hungry tonight. And I, and I, uh, I hey, I ate big. You can imagine, I ate big. There's certain things that I really love. I love banana pudding. I love the way my wife makes banana pudding. She makes it what I call the old-timey, the old-fashioned way. You know, she gets the pudding and makes it in the double boiler, and you know, ladies, what I'm talking about. And she, she finally gets it all finished up. She gets that calf slobber about that thick on it, you know. And uh, boy, she puts that thing and I love to eat it when it's warm. And I like that. But I'll tell you something, I, I, can't, make a, I can't make a living on it. I, I, can't, I can't eat that all the time. You know why? Because my sugar would be about 500. I'd be laid over there in a diabetic coma over there at Moses Cone Hospital probably. And what I'm trying to tell you is what you've got to do if you're going to get your life back in balance, you're going to have to adjust what you're eating. I'm afraid sometimes, Pastor, I'm sure I've been guilty as well. We fill up on the wrong stuff, don't we? The Bible says about that young man in Luke chapter number 15, the Bible says about him that he went down to the hog pen and he filled his, his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. You can get swole up. Listen to me. Swole. You can get swole up, you can get full, you can be filled and not be filled with things that are going to help you. You're alive, some of you tonight, and you know I'm, I'm telling you right. Pastor didn't tell me to tell, say this to you, but you know I'm telling you right. See that finger, praise God. He wanted me to tell you, the Lord wanted me to tell you, you're full, but you ain't full of the right stuff. And I'm going to promise you something, friend. If you don't fill up on the right kinds of things, if you don't eat the right kinds of things, you'll be like I am sometimes. You'll eat at uh, 7 o'clock, 7. You'll eat at 7 o'clock, and then you'll get up at 12 o'clock, and you'll want to eat something else because you didn't eat right at 7. If you don't eat right at the right appropriate times, and that's a daily dose of the Word of God every single day, if you don't fill up on the right things, I promise you, you're going to stay hungry all the time. And I just want to say this tonight. I know it's Jubilee. But don't look at the pastor. And don't you tell somebody else down the road, well, I just didn't get what I needed over there. I wasn't getting full. I, didn't get, I wasn't getting fed over there. Friend, you know that's a bunch of junk. I promise you, you won't go, you won't go anywhere. I promise you, you won't go anywhere that you'll hear better preaching. I'm talking about solid 
I'm talking about contextual. I'm talking about expository. I'm talking about what you need right here at McLeansville Baptist Church. I promise you. I've been around, friend. I've, been, I've heard some preaching, and I've done some preaching. And I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. You need to adjust your appetite. I've got to give you these things. I know what time it is. Watch this. What else? Man, this is good stuff. What else? How, how, how do you deal with it? How do, you, how do you deal with this imbalance in your life spiritually? Get to the right doctor. Become more active. Adjust your appetite. Get more sun exposure. And, and I'm not just talking now, if you've got a chemical imbalance, what you need to do is you need to get outside. But you know what kind of exposure we need? We need the SON exposure. Amen. You need to get exposed to Him. Now, let me say this, because I do believe that this goes hand in hand. We are, we are a three-part being, and your physical man, as well as your emotional, uh, the body, soul, and spirit... Every, if, if one of those areas of your life gets out of kilter, the other areas of your life will as well. And I want to say to you, truthfully, God's people, you need to, we need to get some physical activity. We do. We need to get out. You know some good things you can do when you're out? Well, praise God, you know you can walk and meditate and spend some time with God. You can do that. I want to tell you something else. You can get out and you can tell somebody, now I know right now. But when this thing loosens up, you need to get some places where you can tell somebody about the Lord. Spend some time with God and tell somebody else about what the Lord's doing for you. You need to get more sun exposure. I wonder about, you know, I, I think about what we're doing here. I'm amazed at how this situation has so flooded Facebook and internet and live streams and all of this and all of this preaching and podcasts and radio and all of these things it's man there's so much of it and I say to you tonight we can't get too much we are living in a desperate desperate pivotal hour and church we better do what we can while we can because if you think for one moment that all that has been going on is just happenstance, you'd be foolish, very foolish. Certainly Satan in the background, not so much, but in the background, has been orchestrating and using these situations to set himself up and set those principalities and those powers up. My friend... We don't know about our civil liberties. We don't know what's going to happen next week or next month. That's why we better do what we can. Get more sun exposure. Two things, I'll just highlight them, I'll be done. One of the things that I learned about this when I read this article, it said you need to get a blood test. That's what it said. You need to get a blood test. Let me ask you something tonight as we're closing. What about that? blood test. If they were to check you for check your blood tonight and they were to look at your situation, what would they find out about you? I'm talking about spiritually. Has the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ ever been applied to your life? Have you ever had a moment, a time, a day, an hour where you accepted Jesus as your Savior? 
There's some of you, you might have a teenager, you might have, a, you might have somebody there with you in your home, but they haven't ever trusted Christ. And I can promise you this, just like that death angel that passed through in the time of the book of Exodus, that came through Egypt. He was looking for one thing on that night. And that story, the Bible says they were to take that lamb and they were to take his blood and they were to use hyssop and they were to put the, apply that blood to the doorpost and to the lintel of the door. And when the death angel would pass through, if he saw the blood, he would pass over. And I wonder tonight that maybe some of the problems in people's lives, truthfully, and it could be that the reason that you're exhibiting these characteristics, Pastor, I've, I've, been, I've pastored long enough. And I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not, I don't sit around and try to be critical and judge and, and what have you. I try to be positive and try to, try to think the right things about people and give people an opportunity and understand that when God saved us, we're imperfect beings and what have you. But I'm going to tell you something. When these symptoms of irritability, agitation, on and on, when those attitudes and those, that, that critical spirit and ugliness, that, that, when that's the prevailing way that you operate, listen to me, ma'am. I pastor some people that that's not the exception in their lives. That's the way they live. That's the way they are. You know what I believe their problem is? They don't have Jesus like I... They don't have Him in their heart like I do. You say, well, are you judging me? Well, friend, I'm just going to be honest with you. When God saves you, God changes you. Just like He did me. Maybe you need a blood test. Maybe you need to see whether or not there's something wrong with you, your blood. Let me say this, I'm done. You need to take the right kind of medicine. This right here tonight is the best medicine that you'll ever take. King Jesus is going to have this man, the Spirit of God is going to have this man. He's going to prescribe the right medicine for you if you'll just listen. Week in and week out. The medicine's available. The doctor prescribes it. The pharmacist feels it and gives it to the patient. The Spirit of God has given it to the man of God. It's up to you and I to receive it, to take it, to incorporate it, to put it into place, to put it into practice. Hey, maybe the reason, you know, my doctor told me some time ago, he said, there's certain things you need to do. You need to do this, this, and this. Well, you know whose fault it is? If I don't go get the medicine, don't take the medicine, you know whose fault it is? It's mine. You might be sitting out there this evening and you know as well as I do that you're getting the right message, the right word, the right thing and it's up to you to act on it. Because I'm going to tell you something tonight. Your spirituality is not the responsibility of this pastor. The pastor's responsibility is to equip you. The ministry of the saints, the Bible says we come so that we might be equipped to do the ministry. It's up to you. The man of God cannot force feed you. 
He cannot make you. I've had times in my ministry, I've tried to drive. I've done everything in my ability to try to get people to do a certain way and act a certain way. But the bottom line is, your spirituality is your responsibility. How spiritual you're going to be will be your responsibility. How spiritual do you want to be? You don't have to be out of balance. You know what I found out? If cars get out of balance, you know what happens when a washing machine gets out of balance? It eventually, it will absolutely destroy the inner workings of that washing machine. If it's out of balance, same thing with a car. If that thing rides out of balance, eventually it's going to destroy bearings. It's going to destroy the, the alignment, the front end, the rear end. And those things will have to be replaced. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you tonight that the reason that maybe some of you are getting worn out is because you're trying to operate and you're out of balance. You don't have to be that way. Won't you let God help you tonight? I don't know that these are all the answers. Praise God, there's some of them. Why don't you do business with God tonight? Our Father, thank you tonight for the opportunity to be at this great place, this wonderful church. Thank you, Lord, for the good pastor. God, what a wonderful testimony he's maintained through all these years. I thank you, Lord, for his friendship. I thank you, Lord, for his heart and his desire for serving you and loving you and, and trying to make a difference. And Lord, I pray that as they have, I pray that they'll continue here at McLeansville just to love him, to love his family, to be good to him, to go out of their way for him. But Lord, more than that, and I really believe this, Lord, if, if our hearts as the people of God will be in tune with you. We don't, Lord, we don't have to be super anything. You don't expect us to be. You just want us to be, just do what we're supposed to. Just be reasonable. And to love you with our heart and our mind and our soul. And to give you our best. And so, Lord, I pray now, this simple little message might truly be a blessing to the good people of McLeansville and those that listen and watch. And I pray, God, you'll help them. May great things come out of this Jubilee service. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So many souls have tested Him Throughout the course of time So many still reach out to Him With broken hearts and minds Every one of them will say Without exception that they find Jesus never fails Even in the days of old He brought His people through Then He came to show His love And died for me and you Then He rose again to Every promise has been true Jesus never fails I know Jesus
This world brings troubles you find so hard to bear. I know you could not make it without Jesus being there. It's so encouraging to know, however deep you're in despair, that Jesus never fails. So what can I do to prove to you? Tell me, how can you deny? No untold facts, no mysteries. It's all so cut and dry. On the witness stand of your life, I'll be the first to testify that Jesus never fails. I know Jesus never fails. Because Jesus never fails. I know Jesus never fails. My Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. All right. Well, thank you each and every one of you for being a part of our services tonight. Trust that the Lord has helped and has blessed each and every one of you at your homes. do want to remind you of some of the things that uh, we've made available. Uh, if you've not yet been receiving our emails that uh, Pastor Mike has been sending out and you would like to get on that list, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can find the uh, church email address on the website. You can call us in the office. You can shoot us a text message, reach out to your deacon, or some form of communication. Get us that email address. We want to get you on that list. Remind you of the radio broadcast. I know we had a few hiccups early on in the week, but I think all that has been resolved now. And uh, tune in with us at uh, 730 for the Gospel Outreach Program and at 930 for Mid-Morning Man. And I know that both of those will be a help to you. Thank you again for being a part of the service tonight. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to meet together, to be fed from your word, to be edified through song. And God, for this time that we've had to call our attention back to you. Most of all, that is what we are asking throughout this season, is that we would draw more from you, draw nearer to you. And that even as the message was preached tonight, that we would guard out of uh, getting out of balance in our life, that we would keep, our, uh, keep ourselves well fed, and keep our eyes and our gaze and our attention on you. Lord, we look forward to the day where we'll be able to assemble back together as a group to be able to go about the work that you've called for us to do. But we do ask that you would help us to be wise with the time that you've given us, continue to knit our hearts together, but most of all, may we grow in the knowledge of you. 
We pray that you'd give us safety as we go throughout the remainder of this night. Bless us in the days ahead, for it is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.